How did a low-code skeptic transform into something of a low-code evangelist? Welcome to Low-Code Ninjas. My name is John Kutsir. And my name is Peggy Unsaltz. And you know, John, it's a natural to think about native apps. You want to have a good experience for your customers, particularly now. Customer experience is everything. But there are other considerations. And we're going to talk today to an executive who weighed the pros and cons, had an opportunity to you know, kick a few tires, look under the hood, and I wouldn't say maybe convert, but let's just say become very convinced <laughs> of the advantages of hybrid via, of course, low code. Yeah, and today we're chatting with Seth Winters. He's the VP of Digital Innovation at doTERRA, a health and wellness company. So Seth went native at first, and he still likes native code in a lot of cases, but he seems to have found that once you go low, you can't go slow. Well, and in that note, you know, Seth is a native fan by nature, I would say, but we're going to find out what he has found out because it's been a journey over the last nine months, you know, looking at low code solutions, looking at the pros and cons and finding out a lot of interesting innovation and advantages to that. So Seth, it's great to have you here on Low Code Ninjas today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you guys today. So are we. Uh, let's start right here because, of course, this is what we've been talking about with the whole intro. You're a fan of native code. You have a team, in fact, that builds some native parts of your app as well as a native app. But you've opted to also use low code. Why? Well, it really comes down to the environment, right, and speed to market. We found ourselves in a situation. We have a kind of a legacy um, e-commerce platform that had no, no APIs that are exposed. And it was going to take our internal development teams multi-years to even get to a point where we're going to have services. And with COVID and kind of where we're at from a kind of industry standpoint, everybody's like, we need an app now. And it was just the, the pressure was overwhelming from our customers. And I was challenged by the chief commercial officer to come up with a solution. They're like, hey, how do we, you have to be able to solve this problem. What, what can we do? And so I started looking at solutions and they're okay. There, there was nothing out there that was really overwhelming. And I found this technology called Follow Analytics, which is, is definitely a low-code solution. But I think what their differentiator was for me is the blended experience. I can actually, I can use the technology to lay on top of our site as well as I can add native components into it. So it's almost like I can get, I have the best of both worlds. I can go as far as I want with kind of the hybrid technology, and then I can actually code myself out of any corners we got ourselves into. And with that blend, I think I'm an experienced person, right? So I, I work with the technology teams, but also work with our product management organization. And the user experience UI UX is, I think, paramount to delivering a good solution. And so what we're able to do is, and there, there's, there's differences, but if you blend the two together, the average person has no clue, doesn't really understand what's going on. And they're like, wow, that's just a great experience. It shouldn't matter. The technology shouldn't matter. It's like when somebody comes to your site, they shouldn't know what you're using. Just like, wow, that was good. That was easy. That was intuitive. We weren't trying to reinvent shopping. We're just trying to say, oh, yeah, that worked. That was easy. That was really what we're going for. And we're able to do it in a record amount of time. We were talking multi-years before we could even get the services and then building a native app on top of that was going to take a year plus after that. And so it's like, we're talking 2023 before we're going to have something, or we could go this other approach. And we had it in about three to four months. And wow. it's uh, just incredible the, the rate in which we can do it. And one thing was interesting is when we started along this uh, path, 
when, when we heard about follow analytics, it was like, wow, that's too good to be true. We've all been around the block one, once or twice when something's too good to be true in technology. It generally is. You're like, okay, there's going to be an I gotcha. And I think we really put them through the ringer for about a month and a half, just like hammering them. Like our volume crushes most systems when we use it between our volume, between our users, between our user experience requirements. I'm like, there's, I'm missing something. How, how do I get, how do I get past this? And it wasn't, and we took the bet on follow analytics and it's, we haven't looked back since it's been phenomenal. You have to have a good base site to go with. And what, if you do have that, it's a, it's a great solution. Amazing. You were talking about how you did that, but I still sort of want to hear about the road test. You were pretty hard on it. You know, yeah. you were sort of convinced that it was not just a speed question, but a quality question. So, so Seth, what I found really interesting here is not only the, the SWOT analysis you did, but you really did a diehard test here. You weren't just looking at speed. You were looking at the features. You were looking at the, not just the performance, but, you know, the actual experience. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about that, that road test that you did, because you were really hard on these other solutions. And, you know, that's something that we can all learn from. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with everything breaks in our world with the low. When we have our promotions, we can bring so much traffic in such a short period of time. It's a great problem to have and a horrible IT problem to have. So when we run our promotions, we can generate tens of thousands of users in less than an hour, sometimes in less than minutes onto the site, which overwhelms a lot of our infrastructure. We create bottlenecks everywhere from this. So one of the important things we found is we did not want to actually put something in between our user and the application. A lot of these solutions put something in the middle. So you go through their server, their services to get to it. And when we work with follow analytics, it's, it's actually loaded on the device. So they're actually interjecting nothing in between, which actually was a huge win from our perspective. And so we could actually, uh, we, we didn't have that bottleneck experience. So that was, it starts there. Like that's one of the first kind of thresholds for us is, hey, if it can't work, we don't need it. Well, the second thing we would need to do is page performance. One of the main differences between like a native app and the kind of the hybrid app is speed, right? And the more stuff you do to it, the slower it gets. And with the technology set with that Fall Analytics brought for us, it was definitely, they were able to improve the speed substantially and really work through it. And this is something they do as a service on their side. That's not something we had to do. We had to figure out we had to become experts in this. They were able to provide that and like, oh yeah, it's getting slow. And they they work through it in a matter of a couple of days and they're able to resolve it. Um, the next thing we did was experience wise. One thing I can't stand is when somebody takes a website and they make it a hybrid app, they throw it in the store and I'm like, it's just a responsive website. It has, it doesn't have the app bar. It has a hamburger menu. It looks like you just wrapped the website, the same kind of navigation structure. I'm like, why did you do that? Just tell me to go to your site. And so it's a personal thing that I can't stand, but it drives me nuts when they do that because really no value. And so one of the things that we did was we actually took the website, we stripped out all the kind of the extra web components and made it feel very native. Maybe native is the wrong word, an app experience. And, and I think that was really a key differentiator for us. That's like, wow, we didn't get a hybrid app. We got a native feel. So that was, that was kind of from a user experience standpoint, that was really important. And then at that point we start, how can you tie in some native pieces 
one of the big things about native apps or apps in general is login. I don't want to have to log in every time and I don't want to have to type in my password. That, that's why I use an app because I always forget my password or I have to go somewhere else and I go to my app, I'm just there. And you're able to achieve that with through some of their kind of out of the box components on it. So the kind of those were some of the big hurdles. Like, okay, yeah, let, if we can do this, we're willing to take the chance and get to it. all new technology. You're going to have to have a little bit of faith and you're going to experience things. You're going to have to work through it. But those were just some of the big ones that we covered that were really important from our standpoint. That's very, very cool. Uh, you talked a lot about the speed. You talked about native performance and you mentioned a couple features, including, you know, persistent login, right? And that is the most annoying thing. It's, a, it's supposed to be an app it's supposed to be, you know, I, and I have to log in every single time. Wow. <laughs> Facebook has taught us, Google has, everybody has taught us how an app is supposed to work, right? What were some of the other key features that you were looking for, that you wanted, that you needed for a great user experience that you could just get sort of quote unquote out of the box? So we're actually scanning our bottles. Our bottles have QR codes. And so we're able to scan them and actually be able to order the product. Um, that was a been a feature that our executive teams are like, they've wanted this for years. And it's like, oh, look, we can do that really simply. I think the the login, login is one of our number one drivers in our call center. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I forgot my <laughs> password. I know it sounds silly, but <laughs> you don't have to log in. It just removes that, removes it from it. But that's actually a huge, uh, was a huge benefit. On the other stuff is the native integration to Salesforce Marketing Cloud. We're able to do our push journeys. And this was a huge driver from our marketing side because now we're sending email communication. Hey, if they don't open that, we're like, okay, wait three days and we send a native push or vice versa. We're able to build that blended marketing experience. On our sales, we drive a lot of volume instantaneously. Well, now we just make it harder on ourselves because now we send a push notification immediately. And the response time from a push notification versus the email is more immediate. And so, well, that's all right. At least we're engaging with people and we're kind of meeting them where they're at. Their engagement on those push notifications has been phenomenal. And so those are some of those features that we're like, okay, that these are some of the benefits that we're getting that were just kind of a checkbox to get, right? Wonderful. Wonderful. And one of these days, you'll probably start sending uh, out uh, push notifications via time zone or <laughs> via major district or something like that. So that you've got a, a little bit of uh, spacing in there. Yeah, well, we, we do that by country, but with mm -hmm. um, everybody wants to know immediate in our world. It's like everybody wants to know they don't want to be delayed. Uh -huh. They don't want to wait. East Coast knows at 6 a.m. And if they're like, we want to know at 3 a.m. Yes. We wait to six, they feel left out or something sold out. And it's so we don't do that, but we do it by country. So at least uh, mm -hmm. for Europe, it's a little different and U U.S. is a little stretched out, but our folks uh, are OK with it. So you are into innovation. That's what you do, right? Yeah. And a fantastic experience has a little bit of magic to it. We talked about that in general. You know, we had got convenience, super important, right? Which streamlines the experience. We've got a little bit of push, some communication going on, but how can you make certain that the tech doesn't overshadow the experience? Because that's what's going to win and keep the customers in the end. Well, I think, yeah, that's an interesting kind of question, right? I think we start with the user experience first, and then we work technology into it instead of starting with the technology, then working our experience into it. It's a little bit of a different approach. But so when we looked at this app and we're looking at, okay, we have the taking a hybrid approach, we already have an existing site. 
we wanted to simplify it. So we actually are, I think our website's complicated and it can be complicated because it's a web experience, but you start getting into an app experience, you want to simplify it. And so we started removing things actually. We mm -hmm. actually go a much simpler streamlined approach with the same oh. screens to do it. And that's, I think that simplicity is really straightforward. Like we did things in the app that we wanted to do on the web for years. I couldn't, I still haven't got it prioritized and got it done through our teams. And we'll get to it. but I was able to achieve it in the app. And so it really allowed it. It was a test bed for some of this stuff. And it really allowed it to have a funnel focused experience for our users. That's impressive. That. You could get to things in the app you want to have on your website. I love it. I do <laughs> yeah. love it. I that's also good. like, because sometimes that's a really interesting process. You're taking things away and improving the experience because the web is endless. <laughs> you have a yeah. large screen in a lot of cases, you've yeah. got, it can, it can scroll for forever, right? Yeah. You're tempted to just add, oh, we'll add that. Oh, we'll add that. We can hide that in a menu. And that's easy to do in the mobile world. You really have to pare down. That's yeah. really interesting. Or you're going to have a hamburger menu or 16 options and people just don't find them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to something that we touched on earlier, but, but we didn't get to all the depth of it. You were originally working with SAP Hybris, if I'm correct, and you're going to wrap some of their technology. Can you talk a little bit more in depth about what you wanted to do there, some of the roadblocks you encountered and how you worked through it? Yeah, absolutely. So working with SAP Hybris, it's, uh, our load is number one, right? So I, I'm just kind of, redundant there a little bit. So it can handle our load. That yeah. a lot of the smaller platforms, when we start on those big sales days, things topple over. So it can handle our load. Great. Well, with that, there's the pros and the cons. So we got some of the complication, the slowness, the nimbleness is not quite there. And so we had customized with our experience. So it got customized and we just didn't have the ability to have services. We maybe have half our services. We're working on building a microservice architecture. Great. That's a really a long-term play, not a short-term play. And to get all the service we needed to drive an e-commerce experience with the native app, it was going to take us a year plus. And, wow. and we know everybody's microservices are kind of a goal, right? You're never done when you're kind of going for it. But because of the time frame, and we needed it now, it kind of was not an option. Like we didn't have, it was either, it's, this or kind of a hybrid experience or nothing like wow. which one do you want like for, for the next couple of years and we took the gamble it's a kind of after we kicked the tires it was a little bit of a gamble for us and like hey this is what we can do we believe we've done everything we can here's an example of a prototype we think it's going to be great but it's a little bit of gamble we were willing to take it because the alternative was waiting and our our customer base wasn't going to allow it can you put your business on hold for three years, please? <laughs> we need yeah. to get the technology in order. <laughs> and then we'll be ready to rumble. Absolutely. I mean, we talked... Oh, go ahead. Okay. We talked about, you know, the experience. We talked about the speed, agility, all of these reasons. But at the end of the day, an app experience also has to deliver your the analytics that you're going to need to run your business, right? Analytics is a huge part of this. And interestingly, you're not just a commerce company in sort of the shopping commerce sense of the word, right? So we talked about the experience, you know, convenience, all of these points that you have to get right in your app experience, but you also have to get analytics right. You know, that's a big part of this. And for you, 
you're a commerce company, but you're more than a commerce company. You're B2C, you're B2B, you're probably B2B to C, right? How are you managing this? And how is your app experience giving you these analytics that you need to run your business? Well, it's interesting. Follow analytics. Analytics is in their name. It's kind of like, <laughs> first, it's always when we started talking about it, like, you want an analytics platform? No, it's mobile app, but but it's follow analytics. It's it's just kind of where they came from. And so it's kind of that core data is baked in. I, I look at it from a product perspective, like a digital product perspective, when it's all about data-driven research, right? And so being able to have those key metrics about utilization, how they're doing it, conversion, stuff like that, really matters from a, what features we're doing and how we're implementing it, but as well as when giving credit to when sales are go through, all that stuff is incredibly important to our business. And we've just been able to leverage their core platform to give us the data data that we need when we need it. So it, it was kind of, it just fit really well into our existing kind of ethos as a company. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you're doing some amazing things. Ultimately, you had to make a business decision. And we talk a lot about low code here, but it's not just a rah-rah session, right? Sometimes there's downsides, sometimes there's issues. Uh, what are some of the downsides that you went through? Were there any downsides? Did you have any challenges? Uh, talk about how you, this was your first low code project. Talk about how it went. Yeah, that's a really interesting question because we knew this going in, but it kind of proved itself out to be true is, I call it the testing tax. Yes. So when it comes to, our platform, when we roll out, what, at least weekly, if not multiple times a week, and we have to make sure that we're testing the the app along the way. And so it's rechanged our release process to put a phase gate in there, like, hey, we have to pass this in addition to the other testing we do to go out the door. And so it can slow down the process. Working with the follow analytics, we were actually able to achieve, uh, they, they understand it. And so 95 plus percent of the time, we've had no issues, right? But there's been one or two times since we've done this, like, oh, we caught something pretty major and we had to delay it. And so it it took a little adjustment in our organization to say, wow, this actually is an official phase gate. You can't go. You you can't fake it. So we did some creative things. There's some kind of hidden things we can switch between environments so they can test sooner. But that definitely, that tax is, uh, is something that's important. Is that something that you would have with any addition, like adding any mobile app or was it special in this case? Was it significantly different in this case than just adding a mobile app to what was uh, primarily a web-based business? Yeah, it's different. This is a hybrid hybrid issue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because you're sharing components and screens, you're going to have that challenge. Theoretically, if they did the correct testing for a responsive design, it should work. But if they didn't, or the, it renders slightly differently, or we did something special to make it feel app-ish versus website-ish, you, you have some challenges. Whereas you will have that from a native approach, but it's more services-based, right? Did your services change? And your services from a commerce experience should be fairly hardened and change fairly infrequently. So it is something I say it's more unique to this solution. But for the speed that we got and how quick we were able to roll this out and make a huge impact. It's something we're willing to pay from a company standpoint and nobody regrets it even to this day, right? It's not like, man, I regret doing that. It's like, no, it's great. So I consider it a win. 
A developer I used to work with had a, had a phrase he said quite frequently, which was that theoretically, there's no difference between theory and practice. <laughs> In practice, there is. Right? Yeah. Theoretically, this component will work the same wherever you put it. And yeah. theoretically, it will. But actually, I guess we have one last question for you. And that one last question is, you're talking to an executive who has never tried low code or a hybrid app before and is thinking about it. What do you say to her or him? What do you suggest? I would suggest understanding what your end business goals are and start from a usability side, right? What do you want to achieve? And understanding that from the beginning is probably the, where I'd start because I think that would, that would guide your direction. Understanding time to market, understanding what their kind of willingness is to make change. The quicker t time to market, I think there's probably not an executive in the world's like, oh, I, I wanted to take a year. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so that they're, they're going to naturally want to go that way. I think it's important for them to experience it and you point out kind of the differences. So they're going to understand the worst thing would be is to deliver like, hey, this is, we'll deliver this in the short term. And they look at it like, oh, and this is the mark. So setting their proper expectations up front, um, that's something we did. And then after we said, hey, this is what it's going to be. This is how it's going to feel. This is how it's going to look. And I, maybe I even oversold it a little bit and said, it's going to be worse than it was. And so when they saw it, they're like, that's great. Like they were ecstatic. And you did that three, four months and time frame, like it was a win. I think it, overall it's, uh, it's balancing time to market with uh, the technology and what you want it to do. Perfect. That's and of course, you were really hard on it. I mean, they know from working with you, probably Seth, that you didn't, you know, this wasn't spontaneous. <laughs> no. Yeah. But if I, I said it's good to go, they're like, okay, let's do it. So definitely have some support and some great leadership uh, out of doTERRA as well. So nice. So, so Seth, we covered some great ground. We understand experience, speed to market. We understand pros and cons. You've gone through all of that. Of course, your position is innovation. You're always focused on what's next. So I'm going to ask you as we close here, you know, what's next? How are you advancing your mobile agenda? Yeah. So there's numerous options, right? So it's, it's kind of an exciting space. Uh, one of the areas we're looking at is kind of virtual reality really looking at our product inside your home. And so it's kind of like the Pokemon go, you have your camera and you, your Pokemon shows up. Well, now you have our product, our diffusers, other things you can see, Oh, which one will look best in my living room? And so it's just really providing a deeper level of experience. We definitely have some advocates in our company for new technology. Um, one of the things we, we added to recently was a sticker component. And that's, it's something about you live the doTERRA lifestyle and you can use them and interact. And so that's something that we wrapped in this experience that's been highly successful. One of the stickers we had had over a million uses in probably the first month. And wow. so it's, like, it's just kind of like that evolving the technology and kind of that fun factor. Um, one other thing we're working on is we really focused on the customer experience after you were a doTERRA customer. We wanted to change focus and focus on acquiring new customers. And so yeah, in today's day and age, yes, the kind of older generation, they're, they're going to go to your website first. After they become a, a customer, they're, they're actually like, okay, maybe I'll go download the app. And so it's, but with the millennials and kind of the newer, younger generation, their first stop is the app store. And so, although people are like, oh, you don't need an app for those people in this day and age, you actually are needing to get there. And I think that's a little 
from an innovation standpoint, I think that's a really important thing to really target and really kind of go after the younger audience. So. Now I really feel like I'm about a thousand years old. The older generation goes to the website. <laughs> like, wow. I was like, the older generation goes to the phone book. The older generation goes to the phone. Like, the older generation goes to the website. The kids yeah. go straight to the app store. <laughs> well, John, you know, we have to call the kettle black here, I guess. I guess we do. Seth, it's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate your time on this show. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. And thanks so much for your time, guys. And and also, I want to say, you know, thanks for sharing where this is going, because social and shopping and commerce, that's such a great fit. So a lot of innovation, a lot of great ideas there. Yeah, I'll join with John in thanking you for being with us today on Low Code Ninjas. Thank you, guys. Pleasure to be here. Have a great day. Great to have you. For everybody else, thank you for being with us as well. You know where to subscribe, all the usual suspect platforms. Until then, this is John Kutz here for Low Code Ninjas. And this is Peggy Ann Salt. Stay well, keep safe, have a great day.